Do you like creepy stories? True crime? Cults? Dogs? Wait, that has nothing to do with it. Well, then you should listen to Undercover Coven. I'm Paula. I'm Ali. And Undercover Coven is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Come Come join join us. us. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome back to The Woods, a podcast about the mysterious, the legendary, and the plain weird, because you never know what you're going to find in the woods. I am Shaznay. And I'm Sandy. And we're super far apart. (laughs) I know. How This feels so weird. I know, but like, all of our other podcast friends do this. Yeah, that's true. And they're actually, like, countries apart. We're only, like, a province apart. Yeah, we are. There's one big province in between us right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It feels like we're doing the... Like, it feels like this is our first episode. Almost. Yeah, that's true. I mean, kind of. It's like new beginnings, you know? This is our chance to... Learn from our mistakes and... (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with this. Not much has changed. (laughs) I feel that. Well, I mean, my location has changed. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. That, that's all. Uh, well, um, anything you want to tell the listeners? Uh, well, I moved, or I got here, like, what? Sorry, Angela's watching Glee, so if you hear her gasp, (laughs) that's what she's gasping at. (laughs) Um, but, anyways, uh, yeah, so I got here, like, five, six-ish days ago, almost a week ago. I can't say I've done anything exciting. I've just been unpacking. But I have been binging a lot of podcasts. So hmm. I guess that's been... It's been useful, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I actually have been reading a book lately, which is... You have! Yeah, which uh, anyone who knows me knows that I don't read. <laughs> Um, university and high school kind of killed that for me. I used to be a big reader, but um, uh, a coworker of mine, Emily, if Emily listens to this, hello, Emily, thank you for the book. She lent me a book by my, my favorite author, James Frey, um, who also wrote My Friend Leonard, even though as a kid I called it My Friend Leonard. It was kind of my first, like, adult book I ever read and it was it's about um like drug addiction and alcoholism and all that kind of stuff and it's really deep uh but it was like my favorite book when I was like 11 years old and I finally read his book that was actually a prequel but no it, it came first I didn't know this but a book came before my friend Leonard or Leonard I, whatever his name is um it was called uh, a million little pieces i think 
And I finally oh, yeah. listened to the audiobook last year. And then I found out he has another book called Bright Shiny Mornings. And my coworker lent it to me. So, and I have been enjoying it a lot. Um, I wish that he had more books than he does because it's really hard for me to get into a book, but I like this author. I like his writing style. I am glad you are enjoying this book. <laughs> Shouts out to our good friends over at Undercover Coven for the promo at the beginning of the episode. Please make sure to go check out their podcast for some fantabulous listens. I know Sandy is a pretty um, serial listener of their podcast. Um, She always gives me the highlights because, yeah, so. yeah, I do love their podcast. Yeah. And you know what? They've been pretty, like, friendly people to us since the beginning. So, you know, us podcasters got to stick together especially us lady podcasters you know who you are <laughs> oh my god i wonder if like this is picking up loki growling it probably growling is oh so annoying but anyways yes go listen to undercover coven they're funny they're great they know how to record a podcast from a long distance better than we do mm-hmm. i remember when i first listened to them i thought they were in the same room so. Yeah, yeah. I always forget that they're like in separate countries. Yeah. So good job, ladies. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure it out. <laughs> Any tips uh, would be appreciated. Yeah, that reminds me that I did send out most of our stickers uh, hey. last week. So if you haven't gotten yours yet, <clears throat> be sure to check your mail. Uh, they should all be there within this week next week kind of thing um yeah i know uh nothing canada canadian girl she just got hers today she messaged us um, yeah she did yeah yeah cool oh something else i'm doing this week um i am dog slash house sitting at uh my grandpa's place and i told sandy this like creepy dream that i had i guess and all she said was, I don't even know what to say. So I like, didn't I, know what to say. I was laying in bed and I was like, uh, like, what am I supposed to say? Like, oh, wow, cool. Or like, oh, man, that sucks. Like, I didn't know what to say. I don't know. Is it creepy? Is it spooky? It's definitely spooky. A bit. Definitely of a different realm. Ironic. A bit mysterious okay listeners so this is what happened um so yeah i'm a house sitting at my grandpa's so i've been spending the nights there and on my first night which was not last night but the night before uh see i've talked about this before on the podcast that i get these dreams where it's basically like sleep paralysis but also like i I hallucinate sounds like I, i can hear people in my house or um or when I like it feels like I like I'm looking around my room and stuff like that well I had one of those when I was uh staying here and um I could I was laying in bed and I could see the room like my eyes were open but I like just the roof kind of thing so like I couldn't really look around um 
but I could hear the closet doors right beside me creak and open. But the dog that I'm hosted in, like, he's on my bed, and he didn't move at all. So I knew it wasn't, like, a person or, or anything. Like, he would have... <laughs> He would have done something about it, I assume. Um, so I, I, w I didn't feel unsafe at all, but I could hear the closet doors creak and open. Uh, so when I woke up, I went and checked, and first thing, the doors don't creak at all, because they're these, like, s slidey open doors, I guess. Yeah. Um, but what's inside the closet is uh, my grandmother who passed away a few years ago. It's all her like jackets and stuff. Yeah. And I have never stayed at this house before. Like slept over. Oh and it's a pretty much brand new house. Like it was built maybe eight, nine years ago when my grandparents bought it. So Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. I'm not, I'm not insinuating anything, but um, yeah. I mean, it could be, if you wanted to go that route, it could have just been your mind. I don't know. Whatever you want to believe, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't really bug me because I have these kind of dreams all the time. But mm -hmm. yeah, listeners, uh, let me know what you think. Uh, was it somebody from beyond trying to speak to me? Or was it all in my head and should I maybe, like... Well, I would say see a doctor about this, but honestly, it doesn't, like, bother me in the slightest. So, I would only probably go see a doctor over my quotation sleep paralysis if it got to the point of, like, in um, Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or she's literally seen a dead person on the roof. Yeah, maybe then I'd go see a doc, a doctor. You know. Yeah, but. because that sounds horrifying. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean she met her husband that way, so that was cool. Yeah, maybe you'll meet your husband that way. <laughs> I hope he doesn't meet the same fate, but yeah, maybe. same. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. So that was fun. Otherwise, um, it's been fun hanging out with the dog he's real cool he's fun nice yeah what about you sandy check out any haunted places yet i have not visited any haunted places in bc yet and it really really sucks because i really <laughs> really really want to but it did look up some ghost tours in vancouver so i will be hitting them up at some point that's cool mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Well so yeah. Yeah. Do you want to introduce this week's topic? Sure. So this week is all about serial killers, which I realize we actually haven't talked about. I thought this week was true crime. Yeah, but then you said, Hey, let's talk about serial killers. I think you said, said we'll do that next time. I thought you... No, I said, well, we can do that this not coming time. I definitely didn't do serial colors this week. Okay, okay. Let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. Because luckily, there's more than one serial killer I could cover. So. <laughs> <laughs> this week is true crime. God, I... Uh, 
God, we're so bad at this. See, things haven't changed. We're still a mess. Honestly, okay. So this week is true crime. I'm just doing a serial killer. (laughs) That's okay. I have a good serial killer case for next week. Okay, And mine's kind of serial killer-ish. Or maybe next week I can do just a true crime one. Yeah, sure. We'll switch roles. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. You know, too many serial killers in one sitting is a is a lot to take in, so that that's very true. Yeah. So so yeah, true crime. Feel like we haven't done that in a while. Well I guess we sort of no, we did do true crime recently when we did the notorious robbers episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Where we got broken into. Oh, that was creepy. <laughs> Hopefully that I'm won't happen creepy. again. Yeah. I hope so. Alright, so should I jump into like yeah, jump into it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> so today I'm going to be covering the serial killer Juana Barraza, aka La Mate Viejitas, which translates to the little old lady killer. Oh, wow. So I think you'll appreciate my first bullet point. It says, Juana Barraza is a Capricorn. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I felt to include that, but she is. I know a Capricorn. I know a few. (laughs) (laughs) Juana Barraza was born on December 27th, two days after Christmas in 1957. Okay, so she was born in a rural area just north of Mexico City. Uh, so it's unsurprising when it comes to serial killers to tell you that Juana did not have a stable upbringing. In fact, she had a terrible upbringing. Her parents were Trinidad Barraza, who was a police officer, and her mother was named Justa Samperio, Sam who was an alcoholic prostitute. So quite the pairing. So... Her mother left her husband when Juana was just three months old to start a relationship with a married man who would become um, Juana's stepfather. Oh, and this married man was also her mom's stepfather, too. So, yeah, so her mother ran off with her stepfather, which is Juana's grandfather, I guess. But also stepfather. Anyway, it's complicated. So growing up, Juana never developed a relationship with her mother. From my understanding, they never talked. Like, they never just really... Yeah, they never had a connection. And then when Juana was 12 or 13, sources vary at the, at the age, uh, Juana's mother traded her for three bottles of beer. So the man that she traded... Juana for for like these beers his name was Jose Lugo and he abused Barraza for four years and impregnated her twice so the first time happened when she was 13 years old and the second time happened when she was 16 both pregnancies ended up in miscarriages so she lost both or wait no she lost one pregnancy to a miscarriage the other one her kid did grow up but he died when he was 24 years old during a gang shooting. Uh, So Juana did eventually leave her small rural community to go to Mexico City 
And while there, she was married a few times, and each marriage ended. She just couldn't keep... Yeah, she just couldn't keep a marriage. And in the 1980s, Juana had a pretty successful career in wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, like, those traditional, like, luchador kind of, like, wrestling, and that's what she was really into. And her luchadora name was La Dama del Silencio, or The Lady of Silence. Hmm. She to- she toured through central Mexico wrestling in these matches and making banks. Mm-hmm. So she was, yeah. like, pretty successful for it. However, this did not fill her, or, yeah, fill her violent needs. Awesome. Because she eventually was like, oh, I should just murder someone, I guess. Oh, no. So in 2003, there was a suspicious amount of murders toward elderly women turning up in Mexico City. Uh, it seemed that, like, the victims were women aged 60 or over. Many, if not all of them, lived by themselves. The killer usually bludgeoned or strangled them before robbing them. The police labeled the killer El Mata Viejitas. However, for those who don't know Spanish, El is a masculine pronoun. So El is when you're talking about, like, someone who identifies as a man. Yes, they thought that the serial killer was a male. So they were gender assuming? Yeah, they thought that the serial killer was a man. So that really kept them from actually being able to catch her like sooner than they did. So Juana's first victim was killed on November 25th, 2002. Her name was yeah. Maria de la Luz Gonzalez Anaya. According to Juana, she was angry at Maria because this elderly woman made comments to Juana that she didn't like. So she beat up this elderly lady and then strangled her with her bare hands. So, she just was on a roll after that, and by 2003, police had enough evidence to believe that this was the work of a serial killer. So, according to witness testimony, it was believed that the serial killer was posing as a nurse or a social worker. So, she would, yeah, she would dress in, like, scrubs or in, like, a social worker kind of uniform, and she would go to these old women saying, like, oh, I can help you get, like, financial aid, or I can help Mm -hmm. you get, like, insurance for your medicine, stuff like that, they would let her into their home, and then when they weren't expecting it, she would murder them. At first, the police were super reluctant to announce to the public that the Mata Viejitos was a serial killer because there was a political campaign going on at the time. Uh, and each party in this campaign were, was using this serial killer as a weapon to the opposing party. So one party would say, wow, this party can't even deal with a serial or like with this killer on the loose. So you should vote for me because I can like handle this better than they can. Which is like, I don't know. I feel like keep that out of politics. Like that's such a weird. Ugh. Yeah, but politicians. Fucking know. annoying. Sorry, this was also the first time that the Mexican police had to deal with finding a serial killer. They based, so they had no idea what they were doing. At one point, they were so distracted by a weird coincidence. So apparently, three of Juana's victims owned the same painting by the same French artist, Jean-Baptiste Grew or whatever. So they owned the painting, Boy in a Red Waistcoat. And they saw this, and they're like, this is evidence. 
Like, there is something connected to these three paintings, but it was just a coincidence. <laughs> um, and then it was also the fact that police, like, did not believe that a woman could be behind these murders. Like, witnesses kept saying to the police, it was a woman, she was dressed as a nurse, she was dressed as a social worker, like, it was indeed a woman. And the police would go, no, it's just a man confused with his sexual identity. So at first, they were looking for a transgender female. And then after that, they're like, oh, it's probably a gay man. So they were just way, way off. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the Mexican police even contacted French police because they had no idea how to profile yeah. a serial killer. And even the French police were like, maybe start looking into women. But the Mexican police were like, no, a woman can never be this brutal. It like <laughs> it was it was a man. And like the it's so frustrating it like yeah little did they I, I don't even i can't even express that frustration <laughs> so in january of 2006 a suspect was arrested fleeing the home of ana maria de los reyes alfaro ana was 82 years old and she was strangled with a stethoscope and guess what the suspect they arrested was a woman. <laughs> you can't see my face. So all of Mexico, for some what? reason, even though witnesses kept saying it was a woman, all of Mexico was shocked that this killer was female. So at the time, Juana was 48 <laughs> years old, and most people knew her as her wrestler persona, La Dama del Silencio. So after taking her after taking her fingerprint, police were able to link Juana to at least ten murders mm-hmm. out of the forty that they attributed um, to her. So Juana did confess to murdering Ana Alfaro and three other women, but she denied any involvement in other killings. She also told reporters that how she got into Ana's home was that she posed as someone trying to find work doing laundry. So she went up to this 82-year-old woman who probably has trouble doing her own laundry and says, hey, I'll do your laundry. Like, let me let me into your home. So the trial was held in 2008. Yeah. The prosecution alleged that Juana was responsible for as many as 40 deaths. However, she only admitted to, uh, to three. Uh, she told the police that the reason she targeted elderly women was because she was resentful towards her mom. And when she saw these old women, they reminded her of her mother and the way her mother treated her. She was quoted saying, yeah, she was quoted saying, when I saw them, I felt much anger and more when they acted uppity or believed that because of their money, they could humiliate me. So on March 31st, she was found guilty on 16 charges of murder and aggravated burglary. She was sentenced to 759 years in prison. So in Mexico, there isn't a jury in the courtroom. All sentences are decided by a judge. So in the courtroom, you will have the judge and the lawyers and like the prosecutors and defendants or what such. But like, there's no jury. So yeah, the judge would would have been the one to decide her sentence. Also, the story of Juana Barraza did end up making it into the mainstream. So in Mexico, there's this really famous TV show it's called Mujer, Casos de la Vida Real, which translates to with or woman, real life cases. 
and it would portray real stories sent in by women. So there is an episode titled Mata Viejitas where it, like Juana Barraza's life was portrayed. And let me tell you, the show is wild. I used to watch it. <laughs> I used to watch it with my mom and with my grandma. Maybe I shouldn't have because a lot of the episodes scared me. <laughs> and I think I did watch this episode. Looking back, um, yeah. I was going to rewatch it last night, but I forgot. So yeah, that is my quick story of La Mata Viejitas, the little old lady killer. Yeah, she's she's still in jail. She's still alive. She's still kicking. That's crazy. Uh, she's in a women's correctional center in Mexico City. Oh, okay. Uh, so when she was like murdering, but she was also a wrestler person like I no i think she or she left that behind because all of the yeah. whip all of the old ladies that she killed she would steal from them so that's kind oh, of how okay. she made her money and she... mm-hmm. oh, okay um i was just gonna ask if was she pretty well known like were people shocked that it was i think her? it was like more people were just shocked she was a woman. I don't think they were shocked that it was a pro wrestler. I think to a lot of people that might have made sense. Um, but yeah, the whole like, the way the police were investigating it. Like, I'm sure they learned from their mistakes. I'm sure if there was another serial killer, God forbid, they would now know how to profile the, the killer and would know kind of where to start searching I, uh, I actually listened to it on the female criminals podcast they have a two part episode so if you want to hear more go listen to that I don't have time for to make it that long but I thought it was interesting so I thought I'd bring it to the table it was interesting. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I should get on to my case. Um, it's interesting. So, as we all probably know by now, if you've listened to any of our episodes. So, I work at a pharmacy. So, um, one of my favorite things about working at a pharmacy is learning about drugs. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's like drugs and medicine and stuff like that it's like kind of like a low-key interest of mine um so i i I like helping people find the right tylenol that they need or 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 like like oh here's the non-drowsy allergy medication (laughs) you know it's fun it's fun uh oh or homeopathic uh cough syrup for children if you buy that i am judging judging you because first thing it doesn't work and second thing there's literally deadly nightshade in it so you're lucky that it's just water or else your kid would be dead (laughs) so when i heard about this few cases i was especially interested um so i'm sure pretty much everyone in the world has heard about the Tylenol poisonings of Chicago. 
I don't even know. Where is Chicago? Chicago? It's in Illinois, isn't sure. it? The states are a very confusing place. Chicago, Illinois? It's like near <laughs> oh, the Oh, it border. is. It says in my first sentence, so yeah. So on the morning of September 29th, 1982, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman of Chicago, Illinois, was experiencing a sore throat and a runny nose. She took an extra extra strength Tylenol her parents gave her, but within the hour, she was dead. Later that day, in a neighboring suburb, a 27-year-old postal worker named Adam Janis was also... Blah, blah also mysteriously died after taking the same medication but like a different bottle because they don't live in the same house that would be weird (laughs) two members of his family experiencing headaches from the death of their loved one as most do when they cry over someone dying they also took some Tylenol to relieve the pain but soon were also dead they died soon after as well three more victims in the surrounding area suffered the same fates it was at this point in early october of 1982 that investigators made the connection between the poisoning deaths and tylenol the best-selling non-prescription pain reliever sold in the united states at the time the gelatin-based capsules were especially popular because they were slick and easy to swallow. Unfortunately, each victim swallowed a Tylenol capsule laced with a lethal dose of cyanide. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, I'm sure we've all taken some Tylenol in our lives before. I thought you were about to say, I'm sure we've all taken some cyanide. Just <laughs> Isn't there cyanide in cherry pits or something? Yeah, there is. No, in peach pits. I think it's in, like, mini fruit pit pits. Maybe. Maybe it's just in fruit pits. I remember Seema saying, yeah, so, like, never eat a peach pit because there's cyanide. And I'm like, why on earth yeah. would I eat one anyway? <laughs> okay. So the bottles that had been tampered with all came from different factories, yet the victims were all within the Chicago area. This meant that the tampering had not occurred at the production level, but rather within the stores themselves. The manufacturer of Tylenol, Johnson & Johnson, immediately cut all production and advertisements for Tylenol and advised the public not to take any medicine with acetaminophen in it. After the discovery that only capsules had been tampered with, the company took an active role with the media in issuing mass warning communications and immediately called for a massive recall of more than 31 million bottles of Tylenol in circulation. Tainted capsules were discovered in early October in a few other grocery stores and drugstores in the Chicago area, but fortunately, they had not yet been sold or consumed. The company even offered a reward to anyone with information that could help help apprehend the individual or individuals involved in the deaths and poisonings. I mean, good for Tylenol for... Yeah, right? Recalling... And not even that, like, they obviously cared about what was happening. Yeah, they took it all off the shelves and, like, really thoroughly investigated. They were telling everyone, stop. Yeah, Yeah, they, like, could advertise anything. Mm -hmm. Like, good for them. Um, So due to this 
incident stricter standards to prevent pharmaceutical tampering were soon implemented such as tamper resistant packaging and tampering with medications becoming a federal crime another big change was going from a capsule to a solid caplet in the shape of capsule as the capsules were found easier to tamper with without any noticeable signs of tampering so that's why when you go to a pharmacy to buy tylenol they're all those uh like pills they're not the capsule pills right yeah um same with like pretty much any it's medication because of like i can't think of one medication that comes in a capsule unless you get it from a farm pharmacist like a prescription no 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 yeah now that you say that i've never once had a tylenol that was a capsule yeah. it was either like just the pills or like the yeah. gel pills? Uh, the only kind of capsules I can think of are vitamins or like supplements. So yeah, like probiotics and stuff, those tend to come in capsules. So watch out for cyanide in your vitamins. Yeah. Uh, as the investigations began, Johnson & Johnson received several letters from James William Lewis, who claimed that he was the one who tampered with the capsules and demanded $1 million to stop. Because he and his wife lived in New York at the time and had no ties to Chicago, police did not find much credible evidence to suggest that Lewis was actually the culprit. He was, however, arrested for extortion and served 13 years in prison on top of additional multi-year sentences for unrelated crimes. Other suspects arose, but police were not able to tie any of them to the Tylenol murders. After taking a hard hit within a year and after an investment of more than $100 million, Tylenol sales rebounded to its healthiest Oh, sorry. Tylenol's sales rebounded to its healthy past, and it became once again the nation's favorite over-the-counter pain reliever. So, oh, good. Even though they took a hard hit, they were able to come back from it, which you know is good. Yeah. Okay, so now I want to tell you about a, a gal named Stella Nickel, who is actually one of the copycat killers. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, married to her recently sober second husband, Bruce Nickel. <laughs> Sorry, what a title. <laughs> right? <laughs> they lived together in a trailer park in Washington State, but Stella had dreams of a bigger, more extravagant life. Stella's life up to that point had not been the stuff of dreams. Born in a small town outside of Portland, Oregon, she had grown up poor, gotten married, and had her first daughter, Cynthia, at 16. Later, in Southern California, there was another daughter and some run-ins with the law. In 1968, she was convicted of fraud, and in 1969, the felonous beating of Cynthia, her daughter. In 1971, she was convicted of forgery. Now in, in 1986, Stella dreamed of owning and operating her very own tropical fish store. Ooh. But she needed the money first. With Bruce out of work and getting on her nerves, <laughs> she decided her next best option was murder. Of course. Obviously, what other options do you have? Yeah. You know, divorce? No. Yeah, what do you do when your partner's annoying you? You kill them. Yeah. 
Anyway, she studied up at her local library. You know, support your libraries, people. Honestly, please. And read... I read about different poisons and toxic plants. She tried poison in Bruce with a tox- toxic seed, but it didn't work. He just got like really tired and was like, I don't really feel well. And she's like, God damn it. Die. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, next, she thought maybe she'd use a drug like heroin to make it seem like an overdose. You know, something that the cops would just be like, oh, it's just another overdose. But then, she read about the Tylenol poison. Ty- Tylenol. Am I saying that word right? Tylenol. I've said yes. it so many times now. That's how you say Tylenol. <laughs> Why don't you call it Doesn't by it like, like a word anymore? Call it by a cinnamon. Yeah, I'm like, what? What's it called? I was about to Google it because ibuprofen is Advil. Yeah. Uh, but then she read about the acetaminophen poison. <laughs> the Tylenol poisonings in Chicago and she got an idea. Hmm. What could she be thinking, I wonder? <laughs> in the fall of 1985, she took out $40,000 in insurance on Bruce's life, naming herself as the sole beneficiary. Bruce also held a state of employees policy for $31,000, which promised an additional 105000 in the event of accidental death. See, this is why I made my dog my beneficiary. Oh, man. I shouldn't make Loki my (laughs) beneficiary. I think he'd do great things with the little money I have. (laughs) Same, right? So, on June 5th, Bruce Nickel came home from work. He kissed Stella. Then, since he had a headache, went into the kitchen for a bottle of Exedrin, which I have no idea what Exedrin is, yeah, but either. I guess it helps with headaches. Uh, some capsules in the bottle were untainted, while others contained more than three times the lethal adult dose of cyanide. Stella testified, testified that she saw her husband swallow four pills. He watched TV for a while and then took a stroll on the patio. At that point, Bruce collapsed, unable to speak. Stella Nichol called a paramedic and her husband was helicoptered to Harborview Medical Center in Seattle. Bruce never regained consciousness and within hours, he was dead. Autopsy did not catch any signs of cyanide in Bruce's body, but because the court did suspect Stella, she only got $70,000 in insurance money. Only $75,000. <laughs> yeah, only seventy five or 70000 like. How dare they? No, but it was 105000 less than she expected. Or, uh, I, I mean, see. technically was supposed to get because of accidental death. In order to get the rest, she would have to prove that he did, in fact, die of an accident. Or by someone else. You know, like, it wasn't her. Like, it was an accident. So, yeah, That's she would get she... more if it was an accident rather than natural cause? Yeah. Okay. Or, well, I that might fall under accident too, but right now, like they deemed his death suspicious. Oh, okay. So it it wasn't considered an accident. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's when she opened a number of extra strength exedrine and anison three bottles at stores, like 
grocery stores and pharmacies and stuff. She tainted the bottles with a few capsules of cyanide, glued them all back together, and placed them in three separate stores. A woman Jeez. named Sue Snow was one of the unlucky consumers of the tainted bottles. Oh my god. Her husband had some exergen before work, and he was fine. But when his wife took some that same morning, she was hospitalized and brain dead within hours. So, Jesus. it was like playing Russian roulette with a bottle of pills. No I thanks. Mm-hmm. The Kane County Medical Examiner announced three days later that Snow had died after taking tainted exogen capsules. Within a week, Stella... Oh. Oh. Yeah, within a week, Stella stepped forward, hesitantly suggesting that her husband, who had also taken exogen shortly before becoming ill might have been a victim of the same sort of poisoning you know she's like oh look it was totally an accident like these people are all dying too like obviously it's these companies fault so new tissue tests prove stella right almost at once non-prescription capsule medications were ordered removed from the store shelves all over the county paul webking who was uh sue snow's husband filed a wrongful death suit against the exergen manufacturers and Stella Nickel filed one too. As in most drug tampering cases, the investigation was difficult, but my document won't go up anymore, so I have to move <laughs> Sandy out of the way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, so... As in most drug tampering cases, the investigation was difficult, but Stella Nichol gradually became a strong suspect. Authorities found it especially curious that two of only five contaminated bottles of painkillers recovered in the area were found in her home. Detectives soon learned of the insurance policies on Bruce's life. Stella's claims have... I don't know what that's supposed to say. <laughs> anyway, so they found about the uh, about the insurance policies that Stella had made on Bruce, and Stella failed a lie detector test. Even so, the 85 FBI agents and police officers on the case did not have the evidence to bring Stella in, but not until her daughter, Cynthia. Cynthia, you died for our sins. Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> decided to speak up <laughs> stayed in her mother's boredom and harsh intentions towards her father shout out if you know what movie I was quoting <laughs> okay <laughs> also examination of the contaminated bottles by the FBI crime lab found that, in addition to containing cyanide powder, the poison capsules also contained flux of an unknown green substance? Well, oh my, what could this be? Further tests showed that the substance was an al algaecide used in home aquariums, sold under the brand, brand name Algae Destroyer. Guess who liked fish? I forget her name, but she did. Stella. Stella. I was going to say Shelby Stella. for some reason. <laughs> um, no, so uh, most likely, 
I'm not sure if this is confirmed or not, but most likely she was using cyanide that she bought from the fish store for her fishies. Okay. So Stella Nichol was sent to prison for 90 years, and she would have been up for parole in 2018, but I mean, I doubt she got it. I didn't look it up. (laughs) If you know, email us. (laughs) Yeah, if you know. Um, Yeah, so something in the news recently that kind of connects to this case, too, is the lady who on social media posted a video of herself opening a thing of ice cream and putting it back. Yeah, I did see that recently, and she's facing up to 20 years Mm -hmm. in prison. Yeah, no, yeah, they are taking that very seriously, and... Uh, people are relating it to the Tylenol poisoning cases because, I mean, technically, yeah, you're opening up a consumer product, contaminating it, and then putting, putting it, it back. back on the shelf for someone else to buy. <clears throat> technically, yeah. I just don't understand. Like, talking about the ice cream um, thing, like, I know it's something... I almost trivial but like maybe it's just because I'm too much of like an anxious person but just thinking about doing that makes me anxious like why would you want to do that in the first place yeah that would like haunt me forever I'd be like because she even stated that like she had she was sick at the time too kind of so like oh she yeah obviously was spreading her germs um like, if you knew you were sick and, like, somebody was going to buy that I and mean, they got sick, you know, you never know, like, what happened to that person, you know? Yeah, and, like, some people have compromised immune systems, too, so, like, even something as small as, like, a cold can really hurt them. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, overall, that's, that's wild. I'm interested. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen in like with all of that so yeah don't don't do that don't do that it's gross okay listeners we do not condone can is that the word yes uh spreading your germs to everyone yeah. or poisoning people just, don't do that. We just don't condone you opening consumer products and then putting them back on the shelf. If you're going to open them, yeah. buy it. If you're going to lick it, buy it. <laughs> yeah. My dog is so cute. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, my phone's about to die. So, listeners, if... Wait. No, not if. I'm telling you. You have to do this. I don't care what your excuse is. You must follow us on Instagram at the Woods Podcast and on Twitter at Woods Podcast. Please send us an email at the Wood Podcast at gmail dot com. Also, if you have a promo you would like to swap with us, please shoot us an email at thewoodspodcast at gmail.com and honestly we actually do love getting promos I think it's fun yes so please send us a promo we'll send you 
our, even if you don't want our promo, you can let us know, but you can still send us yours. Yeah. That's okay, too. You can, you can be honest with us and tell us that our promo is trash, but then you would like the free publicity from our listeners. That That's okay. That is a-okay. Well, we accept our fate. Um, and a special thanks to Jason Shaw for our theme, Running Waters. And we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!